You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Last month, we started a worship series that is going to go through all of August. I'm very excited about it because as a little kid, even before I asked Jesus into my life, I was raised in the church. It's actually the picture I sent to Rose, if you know the story. Rose, she shared uh, here at church June 4th. Her beloved Rose who passed. I'm going to mention her a little bit later. But uh, the Lord gave her a vision of me as a young boy running to the father. And I sent her a picture of me. It wasn't even a Bible. But in my mind, it was a Bible. I was four years old. And I had my hand on the Bible and my right hand up. And I sang, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And from the moment I was born into this world, the Lord breathed in a passion for music and creative worship. But let's get it clear, and we're going to define today what is worship. Worship is not music. Worship is not creative arts. It can be, but worship is an expression from the depths of our soul in response to who God is. And we're all created to worship. It's in our DNA. Don't believe me or not, you worship. It may not be God and the creator you worship, but believe it or not, you were created and designed to worship. Atheist worship. Satanist worship. Agnostics worship. Republicans worship. Democrats worship. All politicians worship. It's a matter of what the object of our worship is. And we looked first at why we worship because we need to understand the why. If you're teachers in this place of any, any grade or any kind of organization, you understand that your kids or your students will not truly lean in, press in, and learn what you're giving them until they understand the why. Why is it important for math? I remember, I, I'm horrible at math, and I would always test my teacher, and I would say, why is this important? I'm never going to use it. And now I mess up numbers on stage all the time. It's the why. And so we understood through scripture and we didn't even exhaust the why. But the why is he is worthy, period. He is the only one worthy of our worship. And we also worship him because who he is. He is holy. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's eternal. He's sovereign. He's faithful. He's never changing, and he is love. He doesn't give love. He is the essence of love. That's who he is. 
And that's why we choose to worship not based on our feelings. I said this at the funeral yesterday, and you're going to hear it on the podcast if you haven't tuned in to Real Life Conversations podcast, episode four. We talk about worship. And the worship leader, Brett Rush, in Pennsylvania said this, choices lead, your feelings follow. Look at your life and tell me if that's not true. When we choose to worship, no matter what we're feeling, our feelings will follow what we worship. You worship your complaints, you worship your burdens, you worship your circumstances, your feelings will follow. We worship God because he's worthy. It's because who he is and it's what we're made to do. That is why. One of my favorite authors on worship, a guy named Zach Nessie, he was the worship leader of Gateway Church where Kerry Job sings. And he says this, without worship, he says, without worship, we are simply religious people working dutifully at religious activities and tasks. We all worship, but if we are not in line with the heavenly worship in which we were created for, we will simply be going through religious activity. And sadly, we have so many churches that have signs on the road, worship service. Sometimes I think we need to just be real and take the worship off the sign. Because if we're not in line with worshiping him because he's worthy and because of who he is and because that's why we're made, it's just a service. May we here at Elevation never be guilty of going through the religious activity because we don't feel like worshiping. There is nothing more fitting and more right than to give God the honor that is due to his name. When you do this, I hope you hear this, when you do this, it unlocks heaven. And it shifts the atmosphere of your life. Don't believe me? Did you just experience it? The atmosphere in this building literally shifted. Worship is rendering praise. An adoration to the holy creator and sustainer of this world and your life. It's heartfelt reverence to a sovereign Lord. And so this passage that is going to be the foundation for today, as we look at just one key definition of worship. Worship is mentioned throughout every book of the Bible. But every time it's mentioned, it may have a different connotation. 
Because in the Hebrew and the Greek language, there are so many adaptations and just different angles and perspectives to the word worship. We're going to look at three today. Just three. But it's grounded in this passage. See if you can find the three. See if you can find the three. I believe it will be on the screen. And it's Psalms 95. Come. Let us worship and bow down. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we Notice it doesn't say we are God. We are the people, the sheep that he watches over. The flock under his care. Come, let us worship and bow down. And let us kneel. Before the Lord God, our maker. There are three specific definitions right in these two verses. And we're going to look at these three gemstones. And they're all centered around the word bow. So the Hebrew word for bow means is shaka. And so this is the first one. It says, let's just take the first four words. Come, let us worship. That's point number one if you're taking notes. Come, let us worship. That word worship, I just said it, comes from the Hebrew word shaka. And it literally means, do we have it on, on there? Maybe not. Point number one, come let us worship. The next one, thank you so much. To bow down, to prostrate oneself. I have to say this, okay? I have to say this. And maybe it's the right place just so you can chuckle a little bit. My dad was a, a preacher and a uh, um, long time ago, and he once was up in, in, in front, they toured in a Southern Gospel bus, and they had a Southern Gospel group, and uh, he was up there, and he was talking about how the angels fall prostrate before the Lord, and he used the other word without the R, and he said, the angels fall prostrate before the Lord, and I I always pray when I have to preach that, God, don't let me say prostate. <laughs> but I just did. But it's amazing because it's, that word is still about bow. <laughs> if you think about it. Okay, Lord. Holy Spirit. <laughs> so to bow, shaka. Isn't it good to laugh in the Lord? Yes. Isn't it good to smile? You know, I, 
I know so many churches, they, they think that it's literally uh, an offense to the Lord to not laugh. I would tell them, I don't think you've experienced the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. To bow down, to prostrate oneself as an act of respect before a superior being. This is the Old Testament word, and you see this through cultures and cultures and biblical um, biblical passages all the time. They lived in a different culture than we do in America. And so even countries today still practice the physical gesture of bowing before a superior person. Especially in communist countries, you're beheaded if you do not bow to the supreme authority. And that's why Christianity is a threat to communism. It's because just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to bow before the communist Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we will not bow. The only one we will bow to and submit to is the Lord God Almighty. And so I want to just out of the gate say, yes, bow can be a physical gesture. I bow a lot in the presence of the Lord because that is how, that's what God calls me to do. I would encourage you in your prayer closet, somewhere at home, especially when you're just struggling, get down on your knees and lay it all, just even physically down at his feet. But it doesn't have to be physical. We're talking here, this even word worship is to have reverence within your heart. This is a posture in your heart. Yes, it can reflect by an external posture, but you can bow physically all you want. It's not worship until your heart bows. It's not worship until your heart gets low. You can raise your hands all you want. It's not worship until your heart is lifted to the one who is high and lifted up. Isn't that good? Come, let us worship and bow down. Come, let us worship. To bow is to submit, to surrender, to acknowledge. It's a deferring word. It, it, it's like, it's, it's deferring your prerogative. It's deferring your choice or position to the highest position of worth. Bowing is a choice. Say a choice. Choices lead, feelings follow. You have a choice today to bow before the Lord. Well, I ain't going to bow. Yes, you will, but it may not be the Lord. You'll bow to something. What is it? What is it? Shaka. To bow down. Now listen to this. Bowing places us in a position emotionally and spiritually, uh, mentally, and sometimes even physically to be ready for worship. That is why, friends, that is why we unashamedly, now 930 to 945 in this sanctuary, 
We bring the lights down. We put on some soaky music, and we pray for 15 minutes. We're on our face. We're, we're on our knees. We're sitting. We're asking the Lord to prepare our hearts. I'm asking you, if you're not in the Bible study, can you come for 15 minutes and pray? Prepare your hearts. I've been leading worship now for over 25 years. And I tell you, it always takes people who don't prepare their hearts before almost to the end of the worship set to really enter in. It does. Because we have so much crud and flesh and burdens to just really wrestle through. And finally, we bow that before the Lord. And now it's like, it's like the gates open. Why wait until the last song? Come join us. Come join us. I would rather you come join us for those 15 minutes and go home than to stay for the entire service. I really would. We need to understand that our heart posture before the Lord prepares us for what's next. So at the core, it is simply, bowing is simply wholeheartedly yielding. What are you yielding to? When our hearts and our minds and our bodies are yielded to the Lord, then we are ready to enter in and worship. Bowing also denotes that we are humble. We are laid low. Only a humble heart can truly worship God. Did you hear me? Now, we're worshiping and we're hoping everyone sees that we are worshiping. And the Lord says, I don't want to hear it. It's when we lay low and let pride just melt away at realizing that you are worthless. You are absolutely nothing in comparison to God. And yet he chose to love you and be in relationship with you and live inside of you. A worship posture, a bowing of our hearts is all about aligning your identity. Aligning with your God-given identity. Do you realize we have a worship problem in our day today? is because we have an identity problem. If you feel like a toaster, you can identify as a toaster. Guys, I'm being, I'm being real. Like, this is crazy. If you identify yourself with something other than what your divine heavenly creator designed you to be, we live in a world that just identify with whatever you feel. Bunch of malarkey. And I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking identity. Who you are. And when you align yourself that you are God's, you are his workmanship created for good works to reflect right on back to him. It's all about declaring who you worship. 
It's paying homage and reverence and in, in the essence of the word bow is surrender. How can you truly let go and give to God when you're holding on to what you have? That's not worship. We see this definition, shakad, to bow down. So perfectly in the life of Abraham. Father Abraham, the father of our faith. The father who trusted the heavenly father even at all impossible odds. Abraham called of God and was asked by the Lord to sacrifice his one and only son. Son was the highest worth and treasure you could ever have as a Jew, as a Hebrew. The first son meant everything. It was your inheritance, it was your legacy. And at 98 years old, he had Isaac. He had finally arrived. And God fulfilled his promise. And now God says, lay that down. Your identity is not in your son. Your identity is in me. So I want you to prove your faith and sacrifice your son on the altar. You think that's crazy now. But in that day, children were being offered to false gods all over the place. Now, does God require us to sacrifice children? Heck no. But he was testing Abraham's faith. And look at this in Genesis 22, verse 5. He says, stay here. He's talking to his servants. He has the donkey in one hand, and he has his son Isaac in the other. And he says, I and the lad, Isaac, will go over there to the mountainside. And say that next word, we. 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 I and the boy, we, will go over there and worship. And then we will come back. We. He went to the mountain knowing he was going to lay down his son, but he trusted the promises of the Lord so much that he knew he would come back with his son, whether God had to raise Isaac from the dead or not. He knew God's word would never return void, and he worshiped and surrendered. He bowed his heart. This was Such a divine worship experience. Abraham was going to worship God by offering his son. And it's worship because Abraham recognized with his whole being the sovereignty of God. It was God's idea. And so part of the the definition of worship of bow down means to obey. What God says we will do, 
Where he says to go, we will go. How he says to do it, we will. That is obedience. And when we obey every bit of what God tells us, we are worshiping by bowing our hearts low. He bowed himself to God's plan, to God's purpose, to God's word. That is true worship, my friends. And just as Abraham did, so shall we. When people say, I'm guilty of this in the past, when they say or when they think that they will bow before God only so far, but not what he asks fully. They are not truly worshiping in that moment. The lesson from Abraham in this definition of shaka, to bow and to surrender, he holds two things in his heart. The posture of worship. An absolute surrender to God's word. And a ferocious trust in God's promises. So when we have an allegiance to God's word and a trust to his promises, we can bow everything we are and everything we have to him. That is when he receives our genuine worship. Come, let us worship. Where is the posture of your heart this morning? Are you just going through the actions and the movements and the rhythms while totally missing the point? And when we miss the point, God doesn't condemn us, but we miss out. He wants to be with his people. The only way he's with his people is when we worship his son, Jesus Christ. And we bow our hearts to the one who laid his life down on the cross. The second part of Psalm 95 is come, let us worship. Number two, come, let us worship and bow down. Can we put that on the screen? Number two, come, let us worship and bow down. Maybe it's not on there. My apologies. Come, let us worship and bow down. Well, isn't that the same that you just said, Phil? Let's look. Because it's an, actually, it, it, it's an actual different word than shaka. It's a Hebrew word that, mean, that says kara. Ka-ra. Fa-ra-ra. No, I'm kidding. Ka-ra. To be brought low, to crouch. It's a connotation of, of remaining completely low, physically drinking, kneeling to drink, getting so low to the surface of the water to drink. It's a little different than just to bow down and submit. It literally is talking about a physical kneeling to drink. What? 
And what's crazy to me, I, I just, I, 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 I honestly can't fathom that this is connected to this word. But you kneel to drink, which is derived from the, the, the Hebrew word to follow. So when we kneel before the Lord, or excuse me, when we bow down before the Lord God Almighty, we are saying we choose to follow you. We choose to drink. Let's look at this a little bit more in scripture and let's unwrap this. And it's okay to clap when you get a, 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 a light bulb moment because this is amazing. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 3 through 4. It says, with joy, God is speaking to his people and he says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Friends, Isaiah was a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus ever came in the flesh. He was prophesying that through Jesus, we will begin to drink from the wells of salvation. That's why he says, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples and proclaim that his name is exalted. Why? Because one day God's promise will be fulfilled in the Son of God, the Messiah, Yeshua. To where John chapter 4, 14, Jesus fulfills this prophecy. He's sitting by a well with a woman, a Samaritan, someone he's not supposed to associate with. And he's talking about water from the well, and she's not getting it. And he says, the water that comes from this well, if you drink it, you will be thirsty again. But the water, he's quoting Isaiah 9, y'all. Excuse me, Isaiah 12, y'all. But whoever drinks of the water that I give, what is that water? Salvation. Isn't the word of God amazing? I will give him. And they will never be thirsty again. Are you thirsty? You're worshiping whatever you're worshiping. You're chasing whatever you're chasing. Well, I just feel empty. Yeah, you do. There's a purpose because what you're chasing and what you're worshiping will never fulfill you. Only the water of salvation that Jesus gives will fulfill the thirst. It didn't say it will take away your hardships and your loss and that it would take away your depression and your loneliness and it will take away all the circumstances that come against you. No, it says you will never again be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. PowerPoint, can we go right back to Isaiah 12? With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
to bow before the Lord is to drink of his salvation. And when you do, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known among the nations. And the people proclaim that his name is exalted. And we see the example of this definition of bow from the worshiper himself, King David. King David. He was a man after God's own heart. He was the prime worship leader of his day. So much so so that he would, when he was younger, before he was king, he would worship God. He would bow in his heart and worship and drink from the Lord on his harp to where the demons of King Saul would flee. He was flawed. And he chose the wrong things and his feelings and everything else followed those wrong things. And he paid for it. His whole generation of family paid for it. But that didn't stop him from choosing to bow before the Lord and drink from the blessings of God. He thirsted after God. Let's look at Psalm 63 for this definition of kara. To kneel as if You're getting low enough to drink. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, desperately, I seek you. And this word, I seek you, he's not seeking God's hand of what God can give him. He's seeking God's face. And when you seek God's face and you find his face, you also receive everything he has in his hand. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul kneels down to drink from your goodness. My flesh faints for you. Come, let us worship and bow down. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you drinking from the well of this world? All that it offers and you're just coming up empty time and time again. Well, there is a different water source. And it's called the blood that flowed from the cross of Calvary. And he's knocking on the door of your heart and say, if you will just receive what I have already prepared for you, if you would drink of the waters of salvation, you will never thirst again. And the last part of Psalm 95 is, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, and that's point number three. That was my bad. Point number three, let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. Come, let us worship the heart, the posture, and bow down, the kneeling and getting low enough to drink of the waters of salvation, and let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Now, this Hebrew word to kneel actually means to abundantly bless. When people kneeled to a supreme being, 
They actually were saying, be blessed, abundantly blessed. Everything I have, I bow to you, I submit and surrender to you, for you are the blessed one. God is the only one to receive that. It's offering a gift to our creator because he already gave it to you. Because he's worthy and deserving of the highest worth. One of my favorites, Oswald Chambers, says this. Worship is giving God the best that he has given you. To bow and kneel to abundantly bless him. Can you do this without physically kneeling? Yes, 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 and amen. Absolutely. Because it starts with your heart posture. Worship is giving God the best that you that he has given to you. And be careful, Oswald says, what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing, this is speaking to someone this morning. Hello? Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him. Take it and kneel before the God, your maker. Take time to meditate before God and offer the blessing back to him in a deliberate act of worship. Now hear me, Romans 12, if you've never read it, turn to it or write it down. This is a spiritual act of worship that is talking about this meaning of bowing, to abundantly bless by giving back a gift to God. It says, therefore, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you to offer your bodies, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Worship. We present all that we have. And the best example, the best example comes in the book of Matthew. And what we're going to see in just a moment is that it's not about the song that we sing. It's all about the sacrifice we bring. If you're not bringing a sacrifice that costs you something, you're not able to truly lift up your voice of worship. And you can, but when God is delighted and praised, it's when we bring something to give back to God because he is abundantly blessed. And he has abundantly, richly blessed us in Jesus Christ and all things of heaven. You have been blessed with every heavenly gift which comes from above. Everything. Bowing down is intentional. It's a choice. You choose who you will bow down to, who you will lower yourself and lay down your will to be guided by his. And so let's look at this example in Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13. We're almost done. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, 
a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, jar, or box. Now, friends, this was like nard or, or oil. And a box of this cost almost a person's yearly wage. This was something you invest in, and it lasts you throughout many long years. You used it for many different purposes. But this woman decided to do something different. She decided to kneel before the Lord her God, her maker. She fulfilled the prophecy of Psalm 95 of that part. And look at it. She took very expensive ointment and she poured it on Jesus' head. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? Guys, their hearts weren't open. They didn't see the value. They didn't see the worth that this woman saw at that moment. For this could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said, I can see him saying, like, shut up. But that's not what the Greek says here, but he says, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me physically here. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let This word to kneel, to abundantly bless is what she did. But she didn't have to get on her knees. She broke that expensive flask of true value and smashed it. And anointed his head and then began to anoint his feet. When we understand the worth and the glory of God. And we humble ourselves with our heart posture and we submit and we surrender, now it's time to offer back abundant blessing to God. And if you don't know what to say, just say, I love you, Jesus. I love you for you loved me first. Love on him. That is the best blessing you could ever give. Well, I don't feel like loving him. Well, choices lead. Feelings follow. A perfect example of this is there's a songwriter named Matt Redman. He leads worship out of a small town close to London, England. And this was probably 20-some years ago. And 1990s. And this song was birthed out of a moment in the church where they had to strip everything away in order to properly bow before the Lord. Matt Redmond's church was struggling to find meaning in its musical outpouring during that time. And he says there was a dynamic missing. So the pastor did something very brave. And very rare. He literally fired, not 
He fired the band, the music, the sound. He didn't fire them, but he just stripped back and said, we're not, we're not going to play a lick of music. We're, we're not, we're not going to depend on all of this to worship. Now, there was still singing, but not led by any musical thing. His point was, he decided to get rid of the sound system and the band for a season. And, 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 and his point was that we lost our way in worship. We forgot how to bow down, how to surrender, and how to abundantly bless God. So we need to get back to the heart and strip everything away. Talk about an alabaster box being smashed. Taking what they value so much. Taking all the talent of the artist and Matt Redman, big songwriter, and saying, we're stripping that back. He reminds the church family to be producers in worship, not consumers. pastor was quoted to say this, when you come through the doors on Sunday morning, what are you bringing to offer to God? If you're not bringing something, go on back out, find something within you, and come back. Matt Redmond says this, that at first it was really embarrassingly silent. It was awkward And no one really knew what to do, but something broke when people began to sing God's praises in a cappella. People broke into heartfelt, genuine prayers. I think of Asbury, how that was birthed. It wasn't a worship service. It was prayer, and people began to sing to where they're like, we need musicians. Something breaks when we break by kneeling and abundantly blessing God. And before long, they asked Matt to come back. But as Matt Redman came back, he said, my life has changed. I've been in my bedroom for weeks and weeks and weeks during this silence. And I just developed a heart cry. And he had no intention of making this song big. It was made for Jesus. And it was these words that broke out in their service. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And we just simply bow. Longing just to bring something of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself isn't what you required. You search much deeper in the heart than the ways it appears. You're looking into my heart. So I'm going to come back and we'll worship you. That is what we're talking about. And dear friends, could you put Rose's picture on? Would you mind? It's okay. If you know her, she's right there. 
Rose is now experiencing her heavenly homecoming. And uh, by the way, the Bible says that. Band, you can come up, by the way. The Bible says that a thousand years on earth is like a day to the Lord. And so all of us who are bought with the precious blood of Jesus, literally, she'll be looking back before even entering that gate, and we're going to become coming right over the horizon. It's that quick. Eternity. Rose knew how to bow her life. Rose's heart was sold out for Jesus. Rose knew how to drink of God's salvation. And Rose always knelt, not physically, but knelt to abundantly bless God by how she loved and blessed others. And this was her testimony, and I pray that it will be yours. And it's from the Casting Crown song called Loving My Jesus. When all is said and done, when my last song is sung, I stand face to face with the one who gave all for me. May all I have to show be all that mattered most, making your great name known. Let this be my legacy, loving my Jesus, showing my scars, telling my story, of how mercy can reach so far where you are. And I pray the whole world hears the cry of my heart is to see all the ones I love loving my Jesus, bowing our hearts in worship, drinking from the fountain of salvation and giving back abundant blessing to God. Can you join me today in doing those three things? Bow our hearts and surrender. Drink from the fountain of salvation by receiving and saying, yes, Jesus, and then give back abundant blessing to God. Watch what he does. Let's do it right now. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.